Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Welcome, everybody, to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and we are going to spend some time with the whole crew here. What's up, guys? What up? up? Tony, Tripp, and Mo. We're going to... uh, hit the mailbag and get caught up with our audience and kind of take some time to respond to some of these things that have been building up in the queue. So, Mo, you played a Sweet 16 party? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, Yeah, just just talking to Dave before the show, you know, we were just briefly discussing stuff we've done lately. And yeah, one of the, aside from the gig I talked about a couple of episodes ago, where I had the frustration with that uh, one group, but actually wound up just realizing that my role was not for them to be there for me. I was there for them. This was a little bit different. It was a Sweet 16 party, like you said. And where music is everything. Everything. <laughs> and, and Well, that was, was music everything or was it nothing? I guess let's start there. Okay, well, music was more of a something than in the other okay. event. And so we're talking 16-year-old, and I'm not 16. <laughs> And I don't listen to the radio. Uh, but fortunately, I've been blessed with four teenagers mm. currently. And I do your four you, teenagers listen to the radio? Yes, they do. Okay. Um, and just like my parents said about me, you know, their music sucks. <laughs> <laughs> However, them being more uh, have a contemporary ear, I actually, you know, went to them and enlisted their assistance. All right, guys, what do I need to play? It's for a girl. She's 16. This is what she's into, blah, blah, blah. And it's actually something I employ when I do other corporate stuff is I actually ask the um, people that hire me to make me a playlist. Just give me like 12 songs that they like so I kind of get an idea oh, okay. yeah. of, of, where, <laughs> of, of what, my, uh, what my strike zone is Where like. to aim, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I did the same thing with this young lady. The list of 12 wound up to be about 72. So <laughs> it was a little play, bit. Play this. Yeah, it was a little bit. So there was a, the, the data pool was a lot larger, so it helped me refine my yes. search. So uh, I actually got together with my kids. I was like, all right, guys, I've never done this before. I'm not really good at this, you know, this modern music that y'all listen to. Help me out. So then they started looking at the list. I was like, okay, this one's cool. This one's cool. Nah, that's whack. Don't forget about that. Oh, that, now that was just, you know, don't, don't play that one. Oh, well, this one's better because this artist has that. So I actually spent a couple hours with them just going through Beatport and iTunes and stuff like that. And it was really cool to like see them like start to get involved in the process of helping me select my playlist. Oh yeah, so that was really awesome to like incorporate them into that. Yeah. Was there any kind of like focus uh, sound wise? Like where did it center around hip hop? Uh, yeah, like- mostly hip hop, R and B. But the mom specifically, you know, requested that you know obviously they'd be clean tracks, which is totally fine. But obviously, like I've said before, just because they say clean. Doesn't mean they're clean. <laughs> yeah, right. preview at first, right? Exactly. And, you know, it, but the content, you know, in the incantations of, you know, just because you don't say something, you know, it can be implied oh, in yeah. the lyrics. Innuendos. Innuendos. Also, yes. everybody knows what the word f*** is. So even, and that's where my kids really helped me out. We're like, oh, now this song's about, you know, cooking dope in a crock pot. We all know what that song is. They're like, yeah, I don't think I don't think her mom's gonna be cool with that song. So crack waffles. Did he just say crack waffles? Um, so you know, help, having them help me a, as a filter for those types of things, yeah. and then just uh, kind of working around the parameters. And at the end of the night, you know, I didn't know that kids like like 
talking on the mic. I didn't know that was a thing. Cause oh, they, so they just like Bogart the mic and no, no, they asked if I had a mic. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sh- yeah here. And I'm thinking they just want to say something, but they were like emceeing really? for me, <laughs> which was kind of interesting, kind of <laughs> weird. I wasn't necessarily comfortable with it at first because I didn't know what they were going to say and I didn't want mom blaming me. Yeah, sudden right, loss right. of control. You know, exactly. You're you know, very my, loud my, now. My locus of control. Yeah. <laughs> I need to have that. So, you know, I, at first I kind of had the volume turned down a little bit and then once I kind of listened to them and I was like, okay, they're, I think they understand what the threshold is. They're not getting too crazy. Right. And then like the more the night went on, you know, the more hype they got, they were just having a good old time. And, uh, you know, oh, you I, probably made those kids day. Oh, apparently I did because like mom gave me a big hug. She's like, thank you so much. You made this so easy. And then the daughter, she was like, this is the best birthday ever. You know, which I'm sure every birthday is the best birthday ever. But, you know, mom went out. She ran it out. You're 16. Yeah. <laughs> but mom, mom, mom balled up, man. She had rented this big hall and she had all this food and, you know, obviously paid for a DJ and lighting. Well, you know, so you that go. was pretty cool. You know, my, my 16th birthday wasn't that cool. So you're, you know, I wonder, I was, you were talking about how you were looking for music and I was wondering if it's the same as when, when I was in school where, there were big divides between the types of music kids listened to and oh, the clique yeah. that they were part yeah, of. Like, yeah, the I alternative mean, kids and the goth kids and the these kids and those kids, the preppy hip hop yeah, kids. I was, Huber, I was a you know. weird chameleon. Like you, you had to be like in those days. Like <clears throat> at least where I grew up, anyway. Like because I was super into like rap and hip hop. Mm-hmm. But I was also really into Seattle grunge and you know stuff like that. So like you know. Depending on who I was hanging out with, I was either yeah. in a flannel shirt and cut off shorts, or I was in cross colors. Like, right, like, and I <laughs> and I, I always, <laughs> I always felt a little weird too. Like, no yeah. matter what, because I'm like, I, I like all this stuff. Like, exactly. Yeah, nobody yeah. else seems to. Everybody like based their identity around it, and right, I, I wonder right. if, like, I'm sure there's still some of that today but i wonder sure. how much that's changed just because of of the internet and social media and smartphones right, you right. know what i mean everybody communicates constantly and differently yeah yeah well me and tony yeah. are the same age so i i think that when we were kids the line there were pretty clear lines mm-hmm. you know you either listen to rock um hip-hop was just you know in its infancy um and that was really pretty much well the new wave you know, yeah, like Duran Duran yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I listened to all the above, and I did too. But I, you know. I got, I was, I was, I was real big on hair bands, like you know, Twisted Sister, Quiet mm-hmm. Riot, mm-hmm. Ozzy, more of the glamour style of hair bands for mm-hmm. a long Motley time. Crew Motley Crue, Poison, and Poison, and Striper, and Dokken, and yeah. the list goes on. <laughs> right. You know, um, but my older sister. Listen to like Boston and Sticks mm-hmm. and, and all that type stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and then I, uh, uh, who was it? It was a guy that was on my brother's baseball team got me into rap. And I believe it was, it was like Roxanne Shantae and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. type stuff. And, and then that's when, Melly Mel and the Furious Five mm-hmm. and all that stuff started coming out. And I just, I started to, I just fell in love with rap and started break dancing. And it sounds like, like the same same path I was on because before that I was the, well, in California, I was like part of this, I guess you could say a diversity program. So I was like 
the non-white kid <laughs> that went to the rich white school. Mm -hmm. right, so right. I was a novelty to begin with. And then, you know, but then after that, you know, cause then I, that's where I learned about rock and Motley Crue and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that's pretty tight. And then mm -hmm. when I got to high school, you know, which at the bigger city school, you know, I got shit because I was the black kid that listened to rock, <laughs> you know? So then fast forward to my, you know, when I, when my parents got stationed in Japan, I moved there and, um, I was no longer the weird one because over there, everybody listened to everything. Cause I've talked before about how we got music and access to it mm, right, and right, we didn't, yeah. and there wasn't any division because for us, we were all Americans in a foreign country. So we mm, were just listening to sure. anything that was in front of us. Right. But, um, before I moved over there is like when, you know, around junior high ish is, is when, you know, straight out of Compton and all that stuff came out. So I was enamored by that and I embraced it and started to absorb as much of it as I possibly could. And then, you know, move over to Japan. So then the, the, the bandwidth for that kind of narrowed significantly, but you know, we didn't have the internet. And I think that's with the generation today, they have such wide access to music mm -hmm. that I think the lines have become a lot more blurred, which I don't think is a bad thing though. No, right, it, right. it just, it blows my mind though when people are strictly, I only listen to this or right. I only yeah. listen to this. Right. You know, yeah. I'm not afraid to say I listen to New Kids on the Block. You know what I mean? The, I loved it. Who the I hell don't? The kids and, and, huh? Who the hell don't? I mean, when you... <laughs> so, in our generation, though, a lot of people, if you listen to New Kids on the Block, oh, that's sissy shit. Mm -hmm. That's right. blah, you know, the boy band yeah. stuff and whatever, but... I was always confused by the question, what kind of music do you listen to? And like, yeah. and I don't mean that to like sound pretentious or whatever. Like that was always, even as a kid, it's I was like, what do you art. mean? What kind? Yeah. Like good. Yeah. Yeah. But I think yeah. for me and good Tony, music. Like, whatever what I feel. Yeah, but I think for Tony and I, like that question actually had definitive boundaries yeah. mm -hmm. where today, I mean, you have such crossover. I mean, what? It, it did when I was growing up too, Same but here, I didn't yeah. like, I didn't relate to it. And I think it's because it comes from like my father had pretty eclectic music taste. Yeah, and same he, here. Yep. You know, my dad's a little With bit older mom, than you yeah. guys, and he listened to a lot of. That's where I get a lot of my like European, like uh, British bands and like electronic acts from there, mm -hmm. and craft work and yeah. Depeche Mode and that kind of stuff comes from him. But he was also he introduced me to Digital Underground and you yeah. know all kinds of stuff. And he used to re he used to make mixtapes off of video game music back in the eight bit days, you know. And yeah, so nice. I got all these different. So it just I didn't relate to it. I thought it was weird when it was it was clicked up by what kind of music you like. Or if you if you related to the goth kids, then you automatically listen to that music. Right. You know? Yeah, no, I was the exact same way with my mom. My mom, I, I've mentioned before on the podcast, like, you know, she had this, you know, crazy, wide, eclectic, yeah. you know, taste in music. And then I'm listening to newer stuff. And uh, so as I'm bringing in rap stuff and Okay, well, let the okay, easy does it. Okay, let's read the lyric sheet. Okay, oh, oh. <laughs> okay, so how easy does I, a lot of stuff, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. She's like, okay, so how do we how do we put this in context, you know, yeah. because you're a lower class white kid in a small, you know, podunk yeah. white town in the middle of Ohio, you know. These guys are in a very different neighborhood and a very different state at a very different time, you know, so all of that yeah. type of stuff. But, um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, for me, it was, you know, rap, hip hop, uh, Seattle grunge and industrial. You yeah. Know? So yeah. Like, you know, th those were like my major influences at the time. I, I, my first, my first introduction to like dance music as we know it today was like, I think it was, what was the, the guy's Boys? name? <laughs> no, no, no. But even before that, it's along the same lines of cheese, but it was, uh, 
DJ Nico or Miko? Oh, that, what's uh, up? What's up? Remix? What's up? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ford on Ford on yeah. Yeah. Tony and I were playing it in clubs. Like yeah. Yeah. And, and it was on the it was on the B maxi, side. Of oh, the, the maxi, maxi single? single? Yeah. <laughs> I was all like, wait, wait, what 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 just happened yeah. here? Like, you guys want to uh, define maxi single? Oh yeah, no, so, don't make me do that. So <laughs> back in the day, totally date music me. actually came on these physical discs, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, which so, were round things that played music. Yes. That were not records. Well, <laughs> but the, the, the maxi single I had started was as a tape. It started a as a cassette. Yeah. It was a concept. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you had the same track, and there were maybe three or four versions of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the length of a full tape or a full CD. They were usually, sometimes the CDs were actually the smaller ones, the little three inch CDs. Mm-hmm. And the tapes were just like a tape that had enough, enough tape, tape on it to play that. for like, you know, the three different versions of the song. Yeah, one of the things with the digital age, though, in, in this younger crew is the thing that they're going to miss out on is buying those CDs and records and those B-sides. Mm-hmm. Because most of these guys are just buying single uh, one edits. MP3. Yeah, yeah, one MP3. And they'll never get to uh, discover things like, like, like I found Housequake on the back of that Prince mm-hmm. album, right. you know, or like freaks of the industry on the digital underground yeah. that tangible item yeah that those things that were that you, song's dirty yeah but that song is dope though <laughs> yeah. yeah it's got some dope rhymes in there you know and piano one yes. thing i wanted to to talk about why it's when you said blurred like the lines are being blurred in in music you know when we did country night lights and i was listening to all these country artists and all of them sound like pop Mm-hmm. Almost, oh, yeah. it was like yeah, yeah it was the like same chord like, progression. And this guy, this kid, sounds like Justin Bieber. He doesn't yeah. sound like. Well, and some of them are even like incorporating Black, like you know, uh, you know, like a, a hip hop element to it. Yeah, you know? with the heavy yeah. bass lines and yeah, stuff. Right, yeah, right, right. yeah, and it's or, just, or even even with lyricism, like there there's oh, some of these so guys bad. that like have, they're they're enunciating. Was it and, Florida Georgia Line? I think is kind of uh, yeah big on that. Dean or something. Yeah, that cat. Yeah, but. I mean, I'm not real big into into country at all, but like the more mainstreamy or mm-hmm. poppy that it becomes, the more tolerant I am of it. But yeah. you know, because like I'm not a fan of country, you know, other than you know some of your like high women type of stuff. So you're Chris Christopherson and mm-hmm. you're uh, Johnny Cash and mm-hmm. Willie yeah. Nelson stuff like that. But sure, you know, outside of that, like uh, I haven't listened to really <laughs> anything country outside of '94 five ish. Yeah. Like you know, I've Clint never liked Colin Ray, Garth Brooks, like that whole era, yeah. right, right. and and back like Alabama, Diamond Rio, and stuff like that. But anything new, I haven't. Yeah, like, I've, I've never been a real big fan of any like poppy country, even like the '90s version of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I wasn't raised on that. Always hated it as a kid and everything. Yep. But uh, my wife really turned me on to like really old country or that style. So like. Or old Hank Williams, mm-hmm. yeah, senior. Yeah, I, I dig and that stuff. That, even the, the Hank, more bluesy stuff. The more oh, bluesy yeah, I stuff. Dig that stuff yeah. completely. Like once I heard that stuff, and I was like, "Wait, this is just blues with twang. Yeah. I can get down with this." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know yeah, I mean? it, 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 that's Hank, one of the yeah, Hank the Third is in, the same way. Later on in life, exactly. Especially yeah. as I as I gravitated more towards blues as my music and uh, my taste in music was was maturing. Yeah, and you know, especially because I mean, I love Delta blues. Like, oh yeah, uh, you know what I mean, like. <laughs> Yeah. Muddy Waters, all that. Yeah. R.L. Yeah. Burnside is my yeah. motherfucker, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my shit right there. But yeah. Do you use Spotify? 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, let me share my. I have a, a blues and jazz playlist. I would love for you to add some stuff to it if you Very wouldn't cool. mind. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Um, uh, one one quick note though. Um, never say never when we're talking about the physical media because I saw something not too long ago. It was maybe a couple weeks ago that vinyl sales are yeah. the highest that they have been in years. Yeah. Uh, the Not vinyl, only that, but they, they've been saying that for several years in a row, which means right. it keeps happening. It keeps happening. So, like, not only is, is vinyl going back up, but, like, even the vinyl manufacturers, there's, like, backlogs. Like, they can't mm-hmm. keep up with the demand of production. So, like, how cool is that? That, like, you know, there's, 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 a, there's a tangible benefit to your ears to have the cleanliness of a digital sound, you know what I mean? But the added benefit from a business standpoint, from a convenience standpoint, you know, that that the digital push has has really transformed a lot of things. But, you know, it, it came back to this vinyl thing. And I don't think it's all because vinyl is warmth thing. Like right. there, there is that aspect, especially to a, a person who considers themselves to, a, a true audiophile. Totally get that. But at the same time, I think it still comes back to, you know, that, that feeling of, I own this. A yeah. physical mm-hmm. yeah, product. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that I, 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 I've gone out somewhere. I have purchased it. I'm taking it home. It's mine. I can listen to it. I can collect it. I can, you know. This is my thing that I have that you can't just have by sitting at your desk or looking right. at your phone. And yeah. and what's really cool is a lot of labels now are doing digital download with a physical purchase. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, you can, if you never want to open that thing up or, or, you know, you have to open it to get the digital card out, but... You know, other than that, you know, you download, you never actually have to play the record. So you, you yeah. if you're just it, a collector, or if you're you in it for it, the album art or yep, whatever, yep. keep it in mint condition, put it in a sleeve, whatever, but still actually download the music. And why don't we own a vinyl press? <laughs> if they can't keep up with production, why do we not own a vinyl hey, press? You know, well, like, and in one of the episodes I remember when I was still a listener is. I don't. I don't think this is the exact site you talked about, but like, there's a place like Vinylfy where you can make your own vinyl now. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, upload your your tracks or whatever your mix, and then they press it. Yep. You know, and you pay whatever fee. Yeah. So just the fact that you can do that in itself, you know, that's cool. Yeah, and and I've got to imagine that that 3D printing is going to catch up on that as well. Once the printing the, records, the precision yeah, is I'm good sure, enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they it, they were already doing it, but they're they don't sound like pressed records yet. Right. Right. They will. <laughs> but uh, one of the positive things I think with the technology is going back to that birthday party is so I'm up there and like the kids are having a good time and one of them comes up to the stage and asks me they're like can you play Candy Girl and I'm like excuse me by by who they're like New Edition and I'm like what <laughs> pardon me excuse me <laughs> I was like yeah I can play that. <laughs> And I was How puzzled as hell. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you? Where are your parents? Yeah, exactly. Right? Am I being punked right now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where's Cooch? Where's Is this he a at? trick? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they asked me to play Can You Stand the Rain? You know, but just nice. But what I failed to realize is that recently there's been a new edition like documentary, docudrama type show. Really? That was on, I think, VH1 or something. Okay. And I thought that was kind of cool that they, they, I guess parents probably shared that show with these children and they heard the music and and I think this is like the same as like me and my when I was younger watching like the documentaries about the doors. 
oh, and things yeah, like that. Okay. So that's why I kind of equated it to you. But I thought Fair that enough. was really cool that, you know, these kids are crate digging to right. a certain extent now because now that they've heard about New Edition, they're going to go look and look up bands like High Five right, right. and all those other, you know, Tevin Campbell, mm-hmm. you know, guys like that. So that's I think that's going to be kind of cool for them because that is going to be their old school, right? You know, or yeah. they can go to my Spotify account and just follow my 1990s R and B playlist. <laughs> <Tevin> <laughs> you know, I'm starting to pay a, a lot of attention. You know, now that Lily's she's getting ready to turn 10, mm-hmm. and so she's to that age where she's in just starting to get interested in discovering music because she likes it. Right. You know, right. and not because it's something that you've got going on there. in the background. Yeah. 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 And she's just, just starting with that, you know, so she doesn't have like super crazy tastes or anything. She, but it's kind of cool to watch and, and, but I'm real curious about it because it's such a different world now. And oh, maybe yeah. it was the same for my parents watching me. I don't know, but just with the internet and with smartphones and with, with digital in general, just, right the way that kids discover music and, and, you know, we talked about the B sides thing. Mm-hmm. Like I still, you know, even though I kind of missed the golden age, the initial golden age of the LP, you know, they were still being made when I was a kid, but mm-hmm. you know, CDs came out and that quickly took over, but right. I'm still, you know, I still appreciate finding the odd B side and that, that yeah. crate digging thing. And there's probably some equivalence equivalency to that, for whatever it is kids today do, you know? And right. so I want to learn more about what that is. So I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm watching with, with curious eyes to see how that, it, that develops in her. But you talk about your daughter. So my daughter, she spends a lot of time with her grandfather and he grew up, you know, in the sixties, like went to Woodstock and all that stuff. Oh yeah. And, uh, he dumps on her heavily. And like my little 13 <laughs> year old listened to Jonas Joplin, you know, the Beatles and stuff like yeah. that. And she tells me about how Yoko Ono destroyed the Beatles. And, you know, it is <laughs> but so she co- did. Yeah. But it's so cool to hear like my daughter, like I wasn't even around, you know, to yeah. be cognizant of that, to, right, but to right. hear her say it, you know, and, and she listens to Hendrix and all that stuff. Mm, and like nice. just the relationship she has with her grandfather and the, that they share that love for music is like super cool to see because when she's old and, you know, and he's gone, she's going to have these memories of things that he shared with her. Right. You know, and that's so cool. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's interesting for me because we're in a, a sort of a co-parenting situation yeah. where it's, you know, me yeah, and my here. wife and then uh, her dad and stepmom and we all get along and we, we actually just went on vacation together. Like we're yep, same we just kind of treat it like a big family. It's thing, not, but it, it's not weird folks. Yeah. It, it make it normal. It's, it's great actually, yeah. but it's, it's kind of funny because everybody else but me is like the country influence and so oh, i'm like wow. i'm bringing like hip-hop and edm yeah. and house music and stuff into it so i'm like i i guess it's a happy hardcore me. so if she goes wrong i guess it's my fault <laughs> right <laughs> wow. oh you guys want to take a voicemail <laughs> <laughs> let's do it all right so this voicemail comes all the way from las vegas this is from chris hey good morning guys like to say uh first of all love the show guys love it love it love it i recently listened to all the episodes i started from one i'm uh craving more <laughs> but uh so my name is chris i'm from las vegas and i just got an email from you guys asking what our dj struggles are uh for me i just started djing after five years again um you know, I'm a, I'm a dad now, so it's a little harder to go out. So I think my biggest struggle is uh, 
how to go about getting gigs in such a big city. It seems a lot more difficult since and we have all the big name DJs out here. So a lot of locals don't get seen that often or heard that often. If you guys have any uh, suggestions or ideas, I'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks. Okay, Chris from Las Vegas. So he wants to know how to go about getting bigs in the big city and sort of fitting that into his his family life. Yeah, which is interesting because we we bring the perspective of the the small town quite a bit. Right. You know, I I imagine some of the struggles are the same, and some of them are are very different. Yeah, I would. I mean, first off, thanks for like listening from episode one. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's like four days of straight listening <laughs> if we did nothing else. So, yeah, props, Chris, props to Chris. Yeah, right. Yeah, coming uh, from a former listener, I, I've done it. <laughs> well, you don't listen anymore, Mo? Yeah. Actually, I do. I, I've been going back all the way uh, to, to episode one. Nice. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the, you know, one of the struggles that, uh, you know, that I can definitely relate to is, is being the dad, you know, it's, you know, having a a work life and, uh, and, and kids and, and then trying to, you know, fit in music and all of that stuff. Like, you know, it's definitely a, uh, it's not even so much a balancing act as sometimes it's more of a juggling act, you know, and, and, and it's hard to, you know, try to find that balance. Yeah. Balance implies that you have some amount of control, right? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What the hell's control? Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, and that's hard enough in, in our own city where, you know, any city, any scene is going to be cutthroat, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, amongst the locals. And, and, and it's because, you know, DJing has that low barrier of entry now. So, you know, y- you don't have to, you know, have a bunch of money and you don't necessarily have to hone the same skills that uh, a lot of DJs did 20 years ago. There's more DJs than demand. Absolutely. So now when you've got this influx of all these DJs that are all vying for, you know, the same spots, yeah, limited amount of spots, you know, supply and demand, not exactly, you know, uh, in equilibrium there. So when, you're in a smaller town like us where, you know, every little gig, you know, it's got everybody jockeying for position and and talking to every promoter and, you know, doing whatever they can to get those gigs. I can't even imagine trying to juggle all the things that I'm juggling now and still trying to play in a town like Vegas. Like he said, Vegas has every big name imaginable playing Every day of the week. Yeah, every day of the week. And like, in Vegas, you're, I mean, that's the best example of a city where you're competing with every form of entertainment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, like here in Dayton, you know, we're competing against I, strip clubs. And like, we, I mean, know? we talk about the, those big shows, <laughs> right. but in Vegas, is there a local night? You know, is there some off the beaten path bar right. or lounge that. Yeah, a local night could take place. Yeah, early in my career, I was actually stationed in Vegas. Uh-huh. And um, even back then in the early 90s, there was always something going on. But like you just said, there are always local spots that people that live there would go to in order to avert, you know, all the madness that was going down on the strip. Mm, right. But and that is the appeal for them. Exactly. And I think maybe even with that local scene, the challenge he might have is getting into that scene. Mm-hmm. Because I'm pretty sure it's pretty clicky off the strip, just like it is with any city. You know, you're right. and you're competing for those for those opportunities to play at those clubs. I mean, you're not going to play 
at light or rain no, or any of that stuff. No, you know, off the beaten path. Yeah. Sure. If it's like example how we have here in Dayton, we have EDM Tuesday, and that's all upcoming locals and things like that. But there are people like myself that throw shows and I go in there from time to time and if I hear somebody that I that's I feel is decent could fill a, a slot at one of our shows or that I want to book. You know, it, it's out talent scouting. Yeah. Right. right you yeah. know, there are, I'm sure there are, and even if there aren't talent scouts in Las Vegas, you know, word travels. If you go yeah. out and you put on a hell of a set, you know, that word travels right. and it could get into the right promoter's ear, you know, and that promoter might come and, you know, give you a look and. And you know, we just released you know, an episode it, called <clears throat> struggles of lone wolf DJs. And mm-hmm. this is just this kind of goes to show that even in a big city you can feel like a lone wolf i, I sometimes will, if not more so yeah. I mean, yeah when drew and i in uh drew and i used to go to florida all the time we would we would go down to uh tampa go records i mean we were there all the time but when we moved down there to try and further our dj career and this was before djing was quote unquote cool right, right. you know this was in uh 99 2000 it, it I mean, Florida's ahead of us anyway. You know, right. the coasts are always ahead of us. Yep. But still, down there, when we went to get into a, a gig or a show, it's like you had to fight against so many people. And even their mom and dad and aunts and uncles were DJs, you know. So getting a gig was hard because we were down there to, to play for a fee and get paid in a club. Right. But we couldn't because you had all these other DJs that were playing for free. Right. right. You know, so that was going from Dayton, Ohio to Tampa, Florida. Right. You know, it was just super saturated. Everybody was DJs, but, you know. Well, I, I will say that, and it this doesn't necessarily directly address the problem of playing shows in Vegas, mm-hmm. but, you know, even if you do feel kind of alone in that big city type of scene the one th- advantage that we do have in the in the modern culture is that we have we we all kind of have the same global audience you mm-hmm. know we sure um we're all competing for the world's attention now <laughs> right, <laughs> which right. is which is different than 10 or 20 years ago mm-hmm. so i don't know if that's um enlightening or depressing i guess it could go either way but you know that we're all competing for all the attention all the time right. um but you know specific to playing like physical shows in front of an audience in vegas that's a toughie for me i don't yeah. really know where to take that because all i can compare it to is stuff like dayton columbus cincinnati and vegas is kind of a its own beast yeah uh, when it I've, comes to I've, entertainment yeah i don't have any specific uh experience with vegas specifically but um i mean i've got a a couple of friends that moved out there um and one that was that was regularly gigging out there he he passed away a few years ago but i still make the connection when when you're trying to establish yourself in any scene whether it's edm or whether it's rock or whether it's pokemon or whatever <laughs> you know whatever your thing is the the key is relationships and you know so if sometimes you have to reverse engineer you know what's my goal and how do i get there well you know sometimes you don't see all of the different steps to that but you know you come into a, a you know a city and you say okay well where are the gigs at you know where 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 are the parties at and you go and then you get to know who the regular promoters are you know who's who's throwing the the most consistent you know 
high high caliber events or the types of, or at least the level of events that I want to play. And, you know, then you start to, you know, figure out who your network will be from that, you know, so it, it, sometimes it takes jumping out of the tree a little bit and just, you know, flat out introducing yourself to somebody and, and yeah. trying to make some kind of a connection. Well, now, whether that's here's a demo at a at a at a club, you know, you know, hi, this here's who I am. You know, I'm not trying to bother you or anything, you know. Have have you heard my mixed name? Hey, I'm new in town. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you want to try to, you know, at least sometimes it's going to take jumping out of a tree and at least introducing yourself, handing somebody a flyer or or a business card or something that just says, here's who I am. I'm trying to make that connection and then start your network from there. Now, if you've been living in a city or been part of a scene for a little while, you know, sometimes we get, you know, comfortable in our little pockets and clicks, right? But, you know, six degrees of separation yeah. in today's modern world is more like three, sometimes two, right? Shit, like, it's an inner button. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> like, do I know Dead Mouse? No, but I know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows Dead Mouse. Mm. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know what I mean? Like, scaling that way back down, you know, to anybody's local scene. Yeah. You know, it, it's just establishing those relationships and, and, and being able to say, you know, here's my product, you know, and, and this is what I, this is what I believe in. And if, if I can help you, let me help you and your crew and and your, and your pocket of the scene and, you know, get yourself in there. It's going to take time. It's going to take work and it's going to take, you know, um, a little bit of trust with the, with the people that you're working with. And, you know, sometimes you're going to get burned and, Sometimes you're going to, you know, make the wife mad and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But, you know, it, it, like I said, it's all in finding that balance for yeah. everything. And from there, you'll be surprised how quickly you can make those connections into the places that you want to be. Now, are you going to be the regular resident? No, of course not. But, you know, if, if what your goal is, is to rub elbows and get into the right places where these people are making those decisions and, and, and saying, here's the shows that we're putting together with these types of genres. And you want to be on those shows, you know, it, it, it can all be done. It's, it's just going to take time yeah. and effort and, and the right relationships. And I know Dave always says, you know, maybe you have to create your own scene, but sometimes it's not that simple, right. but sure. sometimes right. maybe you have to make some cold calls and, and what Trip always says, you, you know, you show that value added. Because like when I first moved here, like I didn't know anybody in the CrossFit scene, you know, so I just showed up to some gyms like, hey, I'm Mo, I'm new in town. (laughs) Um, You know, know, this is, you know, you know, I I DJ CrossFit events and it was kind of a new concept to some of the people here because in Texas is like if you're throwing a major comp, you have a live DJ. It's just the standard of of practice out there. And that's how you get the big name athletes to come and participate just because it's just it's an expectation. You know, and not a lot of people were doing so that. You show here. up like, would you like a world traveled CrossFit <laughs> DJ to perform at your events? <laughs> right, right. I try not to throw that in there. I, you know, I grease that in a little bit later. <laughs> and then you hand them your mixtape. And then I hand them my mixtape and a flyer. <laughs> and, and a fire extinguisher. Because <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, Chris, you know, I don't know your specifics, but, and I'm not saying that you're not exhausting all these efforts, but, right, right. you know, and we can only speak from personal examples and just sometimes you just have to go out there and beat the bushes 
and, you know, play empty rooms. Yeah. You know, just like the whole thing where right. I did that EDM Tuesday. Like, I didn't really know Tim. We were Facebook friends. I was like, hey, dude, I saw you're playing. Do you need any help? And he's like, well, as a matter of fact, I need someone to open for me. Oh, okay. I can do that. Right. You know, and then, you know, actually went up there and played and, like, got to meet some people as a result of that. Right. And, you know, I'm sure if I reach back out again, I could probably be able to play that EDM Tuesday joint. You know, and who knows? Maybe there's a Tony DeSero sitting in the audience one day and he's like, hey, <laughs> exactly. I like what this guy has to offer. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. But, but even Dave has mentioned in the past that he's played some empty rooms and at the end of it, hey, I like your sound. Can you open up for... It led to better things. Yeah, some right. dude with a big mouse head on. <laughs> no, not necessarily to do with the mouse head, but it led to better things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like you said, you've played sushi joints. You've played uh, fashion shows. Uh, you've played some off-the-beaten-path type things and, you know, the value add and just giving people an opportunity and, and finding places where there is no music yeah. and maybe offering them, the, you know, the gift of having music out there. You know, I've seen DJs at, like, clothing stores, yeah. you know. You know, I would like to hear from our audience on this. Um if you're from a big city and this is something that you've struggled with, whether you've had success with it or not, you know, tell, come, you know, give us a call, leave a voicemail and tell us your story. We have a strong um, listenership in Chicago. Be mm-hmm. particularly interested in hearing from those guys. I know it's right. a little different than Vegas, but yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of them out there and it's a big city. And I'm sure they deal with a lot of those same kind of competing for gigs issues. I've Absolutely. heard that a lot out of yeah. out of Chicago. I've got friends that were excellent DJs that moved to Chicago and then quit. Yeah, <laughs> like because you know it, it is. It's it, it's it's very. You think cool. oh, I'm going to go to the birthplace of house music and, and, and play house, do music. what everybody yeah. wants yeah. to hear. But it's it's ser- it's seriously cutthroat in, in just about every scene. Yeah. Or if you're someone out there that hires talent, you know, in a big city, you know, what is it you look for? Do you even care about these off the beaten path guys? You know, right. do, do you want someone that's already labeled and branded and, and signed off on? You know, right. let us know. You know just, we're just trying to help people. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to a comment from Lucas Contino. Now, this comes from my How to DJ guide on PassionateDJ.com. And he says, thanks for laying all of this out. I was wondering if you could give me some more specific advice, given my situation, about ways that I can add value. The last four years of my life, I spent as a recluse DJ. I never performed and never wanted to. Just didn't feel like there was an, an audience for the genres I was interested in, and I'm kind of stubborn. So I was never confident enough to get out there. Before that, I had less of a problem playing poppy stuff and bangers and was quite popular at my school and played at clubs and parties. More recently, I started to feel a bit more confident with my sound and submitted a mix to a competition to open a stage at a music festival and ended up winning the spot. Hey, congrats. That's pretty cool. And he says the fact that booking, a booking team thought his sound was good enough has changed a lot about the way he perceives his own sound. So basically he's asking, uh, you know, the festival's in June and he wants to get another gig in before this festival. So he ran into a crew of promoter DJs and he's been trying to interact with them and kind of, you know, find ways that he can provide value to this crew. But uh, he says, the other idea I started to have was to try and organize some outdoor daytime parties as a way to get exposure like you suggest. And he, descri- he says, I live in a medium city, He's what he calls Portland, Oregon. So medium city with a good music scene. But as far as dance music, it's not very vibrant like New York City. So there's no rooftop boat parties, underground parties like that. So he's thinking he could try and make that happen in this summer. So do we have any tips on organizing daytime parties? 
Now, and we talked about the boat thing a little sure, bit last sure. week. And I know, Tony, you've been involved a little bit with our own um, with Sunday, Sunday Fun Days that we've had in the past, which is sort of a, a park cookout, family-friendly-ish atmosphere. Yeah, with crew, that started yeah. off, like, all of them, I, I don't want to say all of them, but a lot of them start off where it's all friends and everybody that kind of knows each other and just yeah. kind of has a day off. And That's what I was going to say. Kind of gets together. It's like an over-glorified cook- cookout. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a, a crew that I used to, uh, that I used to play with in Columbus, a uh, collective intelligence that, that we had one, uh, called that we called photosynthesis, mm-hmm. uh, which was a play off of our metamorphosis parties. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we did the exact same thing. It was just a bunch of us that, you know, had time off on Saturday or Sunday afternoons. And there was this park, bring out some generators and, you know, cook out. And it was, you know, the crew getting together yeah. and, and, and just hanging out. But then, you know, people started coming. It becomes a good time. And that word travels. What a good time it is, right. regardless of the music that's playing. And those people that come because it's a good time. Right. End up getting exposed to the music. Therefore, they end up actually enjoying the music right, and they kind right. of dive into it. Now, to his specific issue, though, like, I mean, it's one thing to organize, Mm -hmm. you know, the day parties and stuff like that. um, But unless you've already got that core crew that's ready to go and and start bringing those people in, if all you're trying to do is just get a gig or two under your belt before the big one, you know, then, uh, you know, that might need a little bit more momentum, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. more time to, to build up the audience for that. But, um, I mean, surely it, I mean, any time behind some decks and in front of some people to play, um, whether it's just a crew or a small, you yeah. know, get together, uh, is definitely beneficial. But so for a, a daytime party, uh, venue can be tricky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Venue's tricky no matter what, but right. there are, unique concerns because you're you're blasting your sound into the open air yeah right so you have to choose between being a place where there's people and being a place where you can make as much noise as you want right right? and that's always the the butting heads and i know with with sunday fun day which was the park event that we had here that was something that was a constant issue even though you know that that park is directly next to a set of train tracks and <laughs> you can't even hear the sound when that train's when that going train's by when that train's coming by yeah. and it's there in the city but there were sound complaints and they had to move the speakers around a few times to to make you know the semi local yeah. residents happy because the sound just traveled that much right so you're going to have that struggle. If you move it too far away from the city you're going to have attendance problems. Right. If you move it too close in you might have noise problems. So just something to consider. Well, that resources, and, you know, in itself, do you have the sound? You exactly. Know? Do you have the the sound to bring? Because you're going to have to and the, the way a way to power it. I, that's what I was going to say. Do you if if you don't have power where you're setting up, you know, do you have the generators? And yep. if you have generators, are they quiet? You know, because otherwise, if you can have these super loud generators and if then if your sound isn't loud enough <laughs> yeah. then all you hear is the generators and if all you hear is generators well then you want to turn the sound up if you turn the sound up louder then you got residents they're complaining and, and you got to add more generators <laughs> then it get louder yeah <laughs> and, and it sounds like if he won this contest to open up for this uh, festival he's probably i'm just going to go ahead and assume he's decent well yeah and he's yeah. not going to want to just go like rent something that's like half ass and poor right. sound quality because that's right. not going to 
help him get the audience to yeah. help him develop the but confidence you, that he's looking for. But you can start small with it, even with a day party. You know, yeah. you, you don't want to try to fill a giant park with a very small with sound. With 200 room. people or anything. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. So, but I mean, you could get, you know, if you want to make the investment, you know, on a, a portable powered sound rig well, you know with a sub and you said he's in did you say what city portland in oregon portland, portland. Yeah, so Which, i'm pretty sure there's a guitar center of sam ash and they mm, rent sound true you yeah know, you so there's always that option I mean, rent and, it and try out the content exactly when we right. started our sunday fun day the first <laughs> year it was it's it started in miamisburg and it was it was in a um just a little picnic shelter and we used regular stereo speakers right house speakers plugged in, yeah. yeah plugged yeah. into a tuner well to the yeah. last how long did that run? Four or five years at least? Maybe yeah, longer. at least. Yeah, and then yeah. once we started downtown, that's when we started bringing the actual The whole time, out. and it was actually kind of cool, but like the, every single one of those was like a hodgepodge. It was like everybody bringing whatever the hell they had. Like, yeah. <laughs> here's a couple bass bins, here's right. a couple amps, whatever. Yeah. Party time! We'll figure out how to make it sound good, you know? And that's what it takes sometimes. But, you know, being in Portland, that brings up another point. I'll just be the first one Weather. to say it. Weather yeah. is going to play a factor there in the Pacific Northwest. You got to worry about your your rainouts and and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, I would say, yeah, making sure that you have access to some kind of sound rig, and like you said, maybe renting it the first time time or two, trying it out, and start small. You know, there's no reason to try to to fill. Out, yeah, a outgrow out. the space. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't go buy a function one to put well, it he, out. He you know, he also said in the email that um, he met a group. Uh, that are willing to let him practice on their pro gear. So I'm assuming he doesn't have his own gear. That might be a fair point. Yeah. Cause if he's trying to, I don't know if he's trying to bring in people who are going to need to play on mm -hmm. CDJs or. He said, they seem very supportive. We share a common music ground. That's one group that I'd like to become valuable to. So maybe Which you can maybe pitch reach this out to idea them. Yeah, yeah to pitch them. the idea yeah, that, to that's them. That's exactly and, what I was going to say. Do a collaborative is, event. Start, yeah, exactly. Have them listen to our podcast and get good ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then leave us a voicemail. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that was when I was very early on, that was probably one of the most valuable experiences that I had. Shout out to Walt Smith and the, and, uh, the entire collective intelligence crew. Cause like, um, you know, in, in the late nineties, you know, I was a trance DJ, which was not popular yet in, you know, <laughs> um, if we would have only stuck with trance, we would have been millionaires right now, dude. <laughs> right. But, uh, but you know, but it's so not about the money, it, the, um, you know, but that whole crew was house and breaks and, 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 uh, and drum and bass DJs as you know, so Walt saw something and, and, and brought me on board. And I had that unique experience of like, just being this like DJ who only had like maybe six months worth of experience in my bedroom. But yet now all of a sudden, like here's this well-established crew that's like throwing, you know, full scale events and then these day parties and stuff like that. So being able to see how it all, you know, uh, came together so him finding this crew that has some pro gear and i'm going to assume has some clout within whatever scene is established there you know those day parties very well could be the perfect thing then because if yeah. he if he establishes with them collaborates with them and says hey here's an idea that i'm thinking about and then let the let his relationship with that crew build off of that and then say you know 
this crew and me, and then we invite some of our friends and then let that kind of, you know, marinate for a little bit. And then Mm -hmm. their friends invite their friends and then their friends invite their friends. And the more we get together, (laughs) the happier we'll be. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, I, you know, just trying to go at it alone yeah. can be very challenging. But if he's got that that crew that he can lean on, then for sure. Well, you know, I when I say uh, it, it might be easier to start small. One thing that's cool about doing that is you can try out concepts, and if they right. whether they work out or not, it, it's kind of not a, a big deal. Right. So because I've the seen, people that are there know that this is all kind of new conceptually. Yeah. And you're not trying to make a big production out of it. So it's not a big deal. But like when you, um, yeah, I've seen this kind of a similar concept in a lot of different iterations. So a lot of people will do, I've seen a brunch, you know, people do a weekly brunch, Sunday brunch, and they'll have DJs and stuff, which I always thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, who's filling those 10 a.m. time slots? and 12? The people who are still up from the Saturday night exactly. party. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was just about to say. So you, you catch kind of a little crossover demo right. from between the partiers right. and early risers, you know? So, I mean, you can, you know, feel free to think outside the box on that. Right. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And I would argue to say if you start off small, and you do attract some folks there that there's going to be people willing to help you out because uh, there's always people looking to help people. It just takes that one person to start a movement and you'll definitely find support. Yeah. The hardest part is, is stepping out into that little spotlight there. And what, sometimes when somebody does it, people come out of the yeah. woodwork and, Oh hey, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How can I help? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Next thing you got, next thing you know, Modingo moves in next door. Yep. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. Done. Yeah, smoking briskets and lifting weights. Man. <laughs> um, 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 um. All right, we've got a voicemail hailing all the way from across the pond in the UK from Josiah. Hi, uh, my name is Josiah, and I'm writing an I'm writing an essay for my degree course about whether DJs can be can be considered musicians or not. And I've come across your website, and it's um, it's you make quite an interesting point about um, DJing and how they can be considered musicians, but they're not inherently musicians. It depends on it depends on um, the reason behind why they do it. I think that's quite an interesting point. Um, I just wanted to know whether it was um, whether it was you, David Michael, the host and founder, who wrote who had written that, just so I can reference you in my essay. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, loving the website. Um, keep it up. First off, can I just say it's cool that we get voicemails from across the pond? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely. super cool. Yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been answering from Canada and uh, UK now, and we had one from, well, shoot, even Vegas is pretty far from here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they, we get, some, and we get uh, messages from DJ Serato quite often. Mm-hmm. You know, the Southwest down in Phoenix. So, yeah, thanks for, for calling in. Um, yes, that was me. I'm David. Nice to meet you. Uh, you're absolutely welcome to use this. That, that's so cool that you want to use this in a school essay. I, as long I as never we get thought. to see the paper after the fact, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 that would be <laughs> cool. Be really if you want to share it, that would be pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny that he brings this this particular Man. article up because it's, it's quite it, inflammatory. It's blowing up again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and it's quite the 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 hot button issue, man. I mean, I don't know what it is. First of all, let me say to Josiah, thank you, thank you, thank you for getting understanding point. my point. <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> 
you know, as soon as people will read either DJs are not musicians and then get fired up about that, right. or they will read that and be like, yeah, that's right. DJs suck. <laughs> like, like, obviously I'm not saying either one of those things. Right. Right. It was merely a question. Yes. A yeah. problem statement. Slightly provocative title, but yeah. I mean, if you read the content, well, I mean, I was kind of on purpose, right? But, you know, right. but you know, read the rest of the article. <laughs> Let that marinate. And well, somebody, between that and the beat matching boy, uh, it's like sh- matching the we, gas tank. We, we, <laughs> we don't mention the sink button around here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so shiny and bright <laughs> because it's never been used. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, I saw a, a comment. I think it was, I don't know if they left it today or if I just responded to it today, mm-hmm. but it was, um, somebody said, absolutely, DJs. Oh, that was, you responded to Yeah, that. absolutely, DJs are musicians, and that a DJ set and a DJ setup was the instrument. The instrument. Mm-hmm. And my point was, well, I'm, and he said, I'm a musician. And I said, well, I'm also a musician. I've played piano since I was seven. But just because you give a piano to somebody doesn't automatically turn them into a musician. That's right. the person that does that, right. you know. So I would love to know where this essay goes and, and to see how in, in sync, quote unquote, <laughs> we are on this topic. Because I'd like to get some other perspective and see what, I mean, if this is going into a, a school essay, man, I never really thought. I feel like. You're going to be cited. You're going to be cited. I'm a citation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's super cool, Josiah. Thank you for writing in and um, would uh, hope that you stick around and stay uh, a listener of the podcast. Yeah. Now, I have one more message. This comes from... Hold on. Let me pull it up. This comes from uh, somebody who is local to us. She goes by DJ... Let's see. Her name is Isis Azarine. She goes by DJ Yaza. And she said, sorry to bother, but I really enjoyed your warm-up set for Sasha. I saw that you live near me. I've attended a a therapy cafe with Mark Farina and Colette. So this was uh, the volume anniversary show that we talked to Mike Donovan about recently. Uh, She says she grew up on listening to Miguel Miggs. Moved to Ohio from California and lives in Yellow Springs now. Is a newish DJ and singer and is looking to switch from a controller to CDJs. I started out as a bedroom DJ and have curated a lot of tunes that I want to share with the public and go live. I don't have a budget and want to get what is best to take it to the next level. Do you recommend the CDJ 2000 Nexus 2s? I eventually want to go live. I know. (laughs) Sorry. I I already know where your heads are going. They're not laughing at you. Right, right. (laughs) I eventually want to go live and want something that will make my transitions into the club seamless. Thanks for your time. I love your podcast. Thank you for doing what you do. It's an inspiration to all music lovers, DJs, singers, etc. Sure. So, hey, awesome. So, another local native that we get to talk to here that we discovered through the show. Um, had a little bit of a Facebook conversation earlier in the day with her and just, hey, is it okay if I answered this on the podcast? Nice to meet you. And right. So, hey, great to meet you. Thanks for writing in. Um, do I recommend, do you guys recommend the CDJ 2000 Nexus 2s? Totally depends. So, like, and that's the whole reason I was, I was giggling because, you know, in a perfect world where money is no object, I would have a set of CDJ... 2000 Nexus and a tour twos. and a tour one. Maybe. No, you take a tour one and you can shove that. Anyway, I bet he would have four CDJ 2000 Nexus twos instead. 
It, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. No. No object. If money was no object. Yeah. If money's no object, give me four of the Nexus twos, and you know the the, the, the nine hundred Nexus oh. two. Now I, I I played on the two thousand. Uh, Tom Reed, uh, another yeah. local. He's got one, and I mean, unless I just had some time to get better acquainted with it, I felt like I was a little lost on it. But oh yeah, you know, I mean, that's with anything. But because the nine hundred Nexus is so like ingrained, like it's that experience the the you know the, the it's DJ, a djm 500 exactly yeah. 600 and yeah. 800 and which has been around since the blah, late blah, blah, 90s blah. yeah so yeah. you know um so money no object of course that's the setup that i gravitate toward but money is an object so that's that's the reason i don't have one so um, she she says that she doesn't have a budget, so I don't know if that means that money is no object, or that, that was the impression I got. If that's the case, we'll take you for a shopping trip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, or um, that it's just not a consideration, or at some point, you know, if she makes the plan, this is what I want to buy, and then works Work towards, towards that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, establish a threshold. Right. Right. So you know. If the ultimate goal is just to get familiar enough to be competent playing on that type of gear, then I would say it's probably overkill. You know, if you want it because you want it and money and, and, and money's not a problem in obtaining that, that, that level of gear, then by all means go for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, recommend Cause there's it. no it's, substitute. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's industry standard. You're, if you learn that you're going to be able to walk into just about any club and, and be able to play. In other words, do <laughs> not buy that setup because we tell you it's a good idea. Right. Because right. it is not necessary. Right. Now, if you want it, and Hell you can yeah, afford let's it. Have a party. Yeah, yeah. right. You know, that's right. awesome. And let us know when you open it up because we'll be there. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll yeah. try it out. <laughs> we'll try it out. We'll help you try it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's you know we all like our toys. You right. Know, right. None right. of us will lambast you. So for that. when I when I made that switch, you know, um, going from turntable, not from turntables, but you know, integrating the more CDJ experience in into my workflow so that I could be more competent with modern gear. Um, that was definitely on 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 the list of things for me to consider was Nexus gear and, and saying, OK, but, you know, the budget just wasn't there for me. So as I did my research, I actually went to a controller, but it was a different class of controller. So instead of like the the Pioneer um, DDJ SX or, or one of the smaller, more portable pieces, I went with the SZ Um which is compatible with Rekordbox and Serato, um, but you still require a laptop to play with it. But um, you can use Rekordbox to manage your uh, your your library and all of that stuff, and still prep your tracks onto flash drives and take that to any other Pioneer Rekordbox setup. Um, so that worked very well for me because the the CD jog wheels are are the same size. It's the same look. It's the same feel as the Nexus setup, but it's just at, not modular, it, right? And it doesn't have the screens, right? So it, at two thousand dollars rather than you know eight thousand yeah. dollars, you know for yeah. for the full for the full uh, setup. Um, but you just recently. Uh, acquired some gear as well and, and, yeah. and, and made a shift, but, um, with, but not going the full Nexus setup, which I yeah. think that's a good way to go too. So I, I, my approach was I wanted, 
I wanted to have the pull the full Pioneer Record Box experience in a completely standalone manner. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to have to involve a laptop whatsoever when I'm actually playing. Right. So uh, at least I, I wanted to have a setup that could do that. I already have like a tractor ready setup, but I wanted that so that I could be prepared for CDJ gigs. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I decided to do, I, I, for me personally, I thought that the, the 2000 Nexus 2s are awesome, but I'm not going to buy those for myself. Right. Um, money is an object for me. Right. So right. if money is no object, yeah, absolutely, buy whatever you want. You will not... You won't regret that we, decision. Yeah, you won't be like, well, <laughs> yeah. these are crappy. <laughs> I wish I hadn't got these. You know, I wish already, I would have gone with the 900. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you've already committed to spending that money on DJ gear, you're going to be happy with that. Right. Um, is it necessary? No, 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 right. not at all. Right. So what I decided to do was um, I wanted to get something that was functionally similar enough to where I would know what I'm doing all the time. Anytime I play on the professional setup, and when I say know what I'm doing, I mean I had played on CDJs before, but I wanted to I want to be comfortable in that environment with and the workflow and the muscle memory. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So. I, I went somewhere way in the middle, and I actually bought a, a refurbished pair of uh, of XDJ 1000s, the Mark I version. So they are nearly, they're functionally identical to the 2000s. The only real difference, the stuff that's missing is stuff that I don't personally miss. It's like jog wheel tension adjust. Right. Um, Those have hot cues, right? Yeah, they have hot okay, cues. Okay. They're on the touch screen, so they're they're okay. not hardware buttons. So gotcha. there's that. But you can't link them, right? Yeah, you can link them. Oh, you can. They have Ethernet ports on the back, so I've got mine linked together with uh, one cable, so I can share one USB drive across right, right. them. They've got the the color waves waveform screens. They've got the you know browsing search. They've got all the. They're actually a little more up to date than the original CDJ two thousand Nexus. Nexus. Yeah. Um, and I so I bought I bought one used and bought one as an open box deal. They were both just shy of eight hundred dollars. They both arrived brand new. One of them was unopened, nice. which I was I had no idea. So they they arrived like shiny new gear, and I right. paid sixteen hundred for the pair. And then what I actually did was I bought <laughs> I bought also bought a set of CD, old school CDJ nine hundreds with a mixer, a DJM eight fifty. Just for the mixer. <laughs> Just for the mixer. So, so I'm going to flip, flip. <laughs> the 900s. So I ended up, you know, all said and done, I ended up buying the the mixer for like 500 bucks. I got a couple hundred bucks off the, the price of the mixer. Got my full setup now. I can barely tell the difference between that and a CDJ 2000. And I paid less than half of what I would have paid. For one. For, right. Yeah. So for me, that was, you know, spending in the realm of $2,000... That's like paying for a, a high, high-end controller. Right. I can right. justify that. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm also not trying to fulfill any writers for anybody. If I am, I'm just going to have to rent that out. <laughs> you right, know, right. If I'm bringing in a, a big name, but that's not something I do a lot. So I decided that was worth it for me to do that. You can't rent them out to help pay for them like you can, uh, you know, the, the, 2000. the 2000 setup. So that factors in for some people. Right. Um, personally, I was happy to just keep it in my home and not rent them out so yeah that's the way i went i was gonna say when i was uh early on in my career you know the 
the everybody needed tech 12s every weekend so you yeah know, when i bought my tech 12s not only did i get a great deal on them but then you know that got me gigs and that got me you know <laughs> paid extra at gigs and then there were for the gigs that i didn't even play but i was still going and getting it for free yeah. and getting some cash because people were renting them you know okay great <laughs> um you know so today by today's standard you know the cdj 2000 nexus and nexus 2s fulfilled those the you know that that void yeah because nobody cares about turntables apparently but <laughs> and and you can do better than i did um and still have a functionally similar setup right i right. The, i went the way that i did because the the djm 850 is a tractor certified mixer and i'm a tractor guy and i don't plan on leaving tractor i just wanted options right so so that if you helps wanted to you could plug in your My MacBook into the the mixer and your turntables and still have full DVS alongside yep. with your I CDJs. can still do the time code thing. I'm right. not losing. I don't have to hook up another audio interface right. to do that. It's right. all built in. You can get a 750, which is basically that mixer with without, a few tweaks without yeah. the without tractor, tractor certification. Right. You can save some money there. Or you can get a, a simple hardware mixer because your sound is coming from two CDJs at that point. If you don't care about software at all, you don't even you don't even need a sound card. Right. So you can do that, and you can also get the CDJ-700s, which are great little CDJs. They're slightly smaller. They don't have the same form factor as, okay. as the 2000s, but they're, you know, you take the jog wheel and make it smaller, but it's still got the screen on it. It still does all that record boxy stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's also another option if you hmm. just want something to use at home that will keep you familiar. So well, there you go. That's I didn't, why even, know about, I didn't even know about it. Yeah, I played those. on them. Uh, a week or a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, seven hundred. Yeah, no, on yours. Oh, on my. Oh yeah, on my one thousands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're super nice. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. So, that's my advice. Anything else you guys want to toss in here before we wrap it up? Do you want to throw in these uh, couple questions we got from? Oh Facebook? yeah, yeah. Oh, Let's yeah. hit up the. So Mo's been on Facebook as we've been recording here, asking what people want to hear about. So the first question we have here is from Joseph, and he asked. How do you handle different transitions, especially tracks with completely different BPMs, i.e. drop on the one, echo outs, scratch drops, etc.? Hmm. Echo outs. Trip? Uh, <laughs> Please clarify, um, sir. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, look, I defer to Trip for the echo out because he, uh, okay, he so, always makes a face. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my problem is that like every radio jock on every hip hop station across the entire nation right now is all into this whole echo out thing. And I and I mean, it's the it, it, it's it's overused, just like that stupid air horn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so like. So how how's it work? Just for reference. So, OK, so you got, you know, one track that's playing, you beat match your second track and now you've got, you know, the they're you know you've got them in the mix um you know and let's say you got 32 beats and then all of a sudden you get down to the last eight and then you hit the echo button on channel on the channel it's going out while the other track keeps playing and so it'll play it, a few bars in an echo as it and it just echoes like out the last step. eight bars forever dun, 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 dun. And, and, and you know and i get why you know, certain genres and, and certain DJs will do it. You know, it's radio friendly and it, and it provides 
a somewhat clean way of, of, of transitioning from one track to another that doesn't have a logical transition or in my opinion, you're just lazy <laughs> because it'd be one thing if that was like a tool in your, in your kit, you know, it's a tool in your arsenal and you do it maybe but once, not the tool. Right. Like <laughs> once or twice in a DJ set, yeah. but like when you're, when you're, you know, you know, driving on the highway and it's the traffic jam at 5 PM, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And DJ so-and-so is, you know, rocking all the hot beats and that it's literally every transition. And sometimes when they're sloppy and then they're throwing an air horn on top of it. Oh God, nails on a chalkboard, man. Like just, <laughs> Ooh, anyway. Um, <laughs> if it's an acapella, I like, I like echoing on some of the right, acapellas right, to let right, it right. kind of, yeah, Carry I mean, on I'm not saying bit, not, not to ever do it. I'm just saying that there are some situations where it's so All overused. And it's a lot like, of the hot uh, mix DJs do it. Yeah. yeah. Like the yeah, guys yeah. that play like the 45 seconds and into the next song, yeah. it's like an echo. Yeah. 40 <laughs> minutes of funk coming right to you on 105.5. <laughs> Which I, I guess I, I guess I get here. <laughs> I guess I get it because what what else do you do with only a few seconds of time? Well, it, but uh, you know, to me like if I know that I'm going to be the DJ that plays every day at 5 p.m. and it's going to be the same 20 tracks, <laughs> like <laughs> right. why not put a little work into those tracks, you know, open up Ableton or SoundForge or whatever or you know Pro Tools or whatever your 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 weapon of choice is and create yourself some bars to mix in and out of do something creative with that you know just hitting the button because it's there doesn't <laughs> you know so my you know obviously i, I always i have the club context in mind most right. of the time and i i don't run into it as often but one thing that uh, you know in my case when i have run into that a lot of times i just do a hard a to b just, sure. just slam it in. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, you know what I, mean? I mean, you get, you gotta keep it simple. Yeah, sometimes I mean, especially when you're dealing with severe tempo changes and stuff like that. Like, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, and um, you know. So I mean, we're all just as guilty of you know a quick fade, you know a, a you know a fader slam or you yeah. know an echo out or you know whatever. But it definitely depends on the genre. It depends on the genre. It depends on you know the. Um, application like what what are you there to do so like yeah. you mentioned like mobile and wedding stuff yeah. like a lot of that music is not you know mixable mm -hmm. without it you know uh, you know unless you're like a master with the key lock you know type of thing you know without it coming out you know sounding a little chunkish or yeah. you know whatever so um you know, right tool for, for each job. You know, if you depend, I mean, you know, we jokingly call me the Flanger King because, like, mm -hmm. you know, the first couple of years of me DJing, every chance I got, like, <laughs> I might as well have just kept the Flanger on the whole time, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you got to you gotta learn, you know, what, what works for what situations. I had um, the, uh, uh, um, I lost it. I had some uh, very specific tracks that I used as tools for if I had like I needed a specific purpose, if I needed to to like cut my BPM in half for some reason, and I knew that I was probably going to need to do that. Yeah. And I had tracks for that purpose, so like I had this, uh, it was like a Beyonce remix, mm -hmm. and 
somewhere in the middle of the track, it had a tempo drop. Oh, and transition. It like, yeah. Okay. And then it played like a, more of a steady R&B tempo. There you go. And I knew that I could use that as an opportunity to mix in some hip hop or whatever. And I used to use that when I was playing like house parties that weren't for my my techno heads and stuff. Right, yeah. right, and I, right. I was like, okay, I'm going to play this for as long as I can get away with it. And then when people start complaining, I'll use this to get into what they want to hear. Right. So sometimes if you, you know, if you can see it coming, you can have some try. And now there's like, there's, there are tracks that are made for that specific purpose exactly that you can yeah. buy in packs. Say, like, and, yeah, like yeah, DJ City has a lot of um, yeah. tracks available that have built-in transitions. Right. Yeah. I, I was gonna say like that's been a, a big trend, especially like in bass music. You know, like uh, yeah. you know your dubstep glitch hop and drum and bass and stuff like that. Like a lot of them are doing that because there's like you know it's really nerding out at this point but like there's a mathematical equation that you can like oh the four thing yeah that you can yeah. like apply and as long as you've got the right constant sound in one track that's there from the beginning and then you can break that track down and keep that same sound constant but then you know in your daw you know in your mm-hmm. in your sequencer you can raise your um your BPM up and just shift where those notes are hitting. And it still sounds like it's the yeah. same constant sound, but then all of a sudden you go from 110 beats per minute to 172 and it sounds like a flawless like transition. Yeah. So there's a lot of those tracks that are, you know, popping up nowadays. So when I find those, I put those into a folder specifically called genre switchers. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, yeah. That's a good, that's a good label to put yeah, these on yeah. there. Genre I've not switchers. done that, but uh, one thing I learned from digital DJ tips was uh, like just uh, getting a nice loop and just adjusting the pitch. Yeah. On yeah. There. yeah. I was just going to say, I've used that too, where I'd, I use a uh, master tempo or key lock. Right. And yeah. then I just either in a breakdown or and somewhere just, where they won't notice as much, just, yeah. just right. adjust it. And yeah. it just kind of happens and nobody really knows why. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. For me with the CrossFit stuff, like, you know, when a particular workout is over and the clock runs out, like I'll, sometimes I use the echo freeze mm-hmm. and just let it roll out and then roll into something like a, some bumper music. Sure. You know, but again, they're not there judging me for my musical skills. They're just <laughs> there to hear the music. Sure. Know? So, well, they hear the music in subsequent, subsequent to their suffering. <laughs> um, I just try to help facilitate that. Right. All right, we got to wrap this up, but I want to. Oh. This is a good place to end. On, uh, do you have Matthew's? Yeah, you got comment? that last one. Yeah. Here you go. So, and we have uh, one other comment from Matthew, and he asks us. I'm curious if you guys have any rituals that you do as DJs. Do you go to Denny's after a show? <laughs> do you need a bowl of only brown M&Ms before? Um, any lucky coins? Not quite a DJ question, but I just thought it would be an interesting topic. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah we cracked up when we read this one. Yeah, that's well, a good one. I like especially that. because he specifically mentioned Denny's. And I have to I have to throw it out there that Denny's is the official food of In the Groove Productions. <laughs> like, and, and the unfortunate part is yes, that very all, unfortunate. Of, all of the Denny's in this area had in, in Southwest Ohio have, have been totally shut down over the years. And there was one oh, lone one. Yeah. There was one lone one hanging, it, hanging on in, uh, within at, the past year. Right. Yeah. And it was, uh, uh on campus, uh, and down by UD. university of Dayton. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and for, I know why they shut it down. It's because people repeatedly got stabbed there, but because <laughs> they kept ending up on world star hip hop. <laughs> right. Oh dear right. goodness. But, but, um, 
so anytime that uh, Jason, Tom, myself, you know, anybody within the groove, that you know, anytime we went to gigs or, you know, after gigs, so anytime we're in another city, if there's a Denny's, we're there afterward, <laughs> for sure. And we, at one point, we, we were like thinking, you know, maybe we should buy stock in their ranch dressing because we oh. eat their ranch dressing by the buckets, man. <laughs> ah. <laughs> what about you, Mo? Do you have any uh, rituals or habits? I, that you... I had to think about that. And they're actually, um, when I do my sound checks, I play the same song by the Beastie Boys, as Samboso. It's okay. an instrumental. Um, I guess that's kind of a ritual yeah, for me. Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because it's a real, it's an acoustic, uh, uh, just real bass heavy vocal or non-vocal acoustic track and it's got you know they're playing the cello in there and the bass and just some sounds like some 70s uh porno riffs you know <laughs> right. so so as far as the range of the sound in the track are pretty wide so i kind of use that to just see what it sounds like out there sure. and it, but yeah it's it's a pretty constant for me i never thought about it until he asked the question so i don't know if mine's if you would call it a ritual i guess i've got a bit of a recurring theme usually the day of a a show especially if it's a bigger show i kind of i clear everything else out of that day like mm-hmm. i don't want to have any other responsibilities or anything else to do like mm-hmm. if if i'm playing for tony and tony needs something i want to be able to be there for him or whoever i'm playing for and right. i want to be able to think about my music that day and be to the venue early and stuff Get so in i zone yeah. Yeah, yeah i just try to cl- clear it out if i can if i have right. that luxury that day and then i my ritual is very nerdy and uninteresting. It's usually making sure I've got everything I need over and over again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like OCD in it. Yeah. I, sometimes I've talked on the show before. I'll take, especially if I'm bringing my own entire setup, like controllers yeah, your checklist. and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. set it all up and tear it all back down and put it back in the bag and, and then I'll visualize myself hooking it up in the club as I'm doing it. Okay, right. I'm going to take my headphones. Oh, with my headphones adapter, and then I'm going to plug right. that into my mixer, and then I'm and I do the whole thing, and I tear it all back down and pack it up. So, I don't know if you consider that a ritual as much I'm, as paranoia, but yeah, well, I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Tony, any rituals? Um, habits. Habits. I tend not to eat very heavy through the day because I have mm-hmm. I have nerves. Um, I've been playing a very long time, but I still get nervous, you know, um, especially when a big room of people are staring at me. Yeah. Um, so I tend not to eat real heavy until after the show. Um, before I play, I, I tend to go to a place somewhere within the venue or outside the venue by myself and just sit down and breathe and, and take a few minutes and just kind of just Tony time. Just, yeah, just some Tony time and, and, and really not even think about my set, the, the fact that I'm getting ready to play or anything. I just kind of like sit, clear my mind and breathe and that's really about it and absolutely when i'm done i pig the hell out (laughs) (laughs) and it's off to denny's you should come do some crossfit man because that sounds like us yeah (laughs) yeah um that's really about it um and what about after the show you you guys have habits after I'm not allowed to discuss that <laughs> on the <this> show. <laughs> on that note, this has been the Fashion DJ Podcast. We will see you guys next week. Peace. Thanks for listening. Easy. Later. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning.
And so we saw uh, over at Odd Bodies, actually, where three-dimensional through the, what was it? Country uh, Night Lights. Uh, no. No, that was uh, Casey Donahue Band. Oh. We did the floozies there. The floozies mm-hmm. there, yeah. Um, it's right right around the corner here. Corey um, Feldman's going to be there. Hell yeah, he oh, is. God. Is he really? Yeah. <laughs> when? Uh, I don't know, but me and Gina, we, 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 we've already locked it in. Uh, me, Gina, and Mel. Yeah. Well, you guys can walk there from here. Oh, no, no, it's going to be stumbling. Stumbling, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is he, uh, he's, he performs, right? Yeah, I Corey's Angels as, or something like yeah, that. I remember seeing He was on the Today yeah. Show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> it's going to be lit. Oh, <laughs> as my daughter says, oh, it's gonna be all right. So we're all going to see Corey Feldman yes. and Odd Bodies. Yes, <laughs> and we're going to be barbecuing and drinking here first. So, nice. and we will walk to the venue. Yes, yeah. yeah. no Uber that night, kids. Uh, no, no, no. Uh-huh.